The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Let's start by finding out what's going on now in Israel and particularly the Gaza Strip. The response of Israel to that dreadful terrorist attack by Hamas over a fortnight ago, which has led to thousands of deaths in Gaza due to the nature of the Israeli forces response. We're joined from Tel Aviv by Bell True, Chief International Correspondent of The Independent. Bell, welcome back to the programme again. And something I asked you last week was whether there was much opposition within Israel to the nature of the assault being made on Gaza, which many of us here in Ireland believe to be utterly disproportional to what had happened previously to provoke it. And I understand you have found people, people who've been directly affected by what happened, who do feel it may be a bit too much. Tell us about this, please. Well, I've been speaking to family members of those who were taken hostage to Gaza or were killed by this horrific attack that took place on the 7th of October. And some of them I've been talking to are saying that they don't want any more bloodshed, that they don't believe the violence or fix violence. They don't want the destruction of Gaza. They're concerned about the civilian population of Gaza. And they want there to be a de-escalation and long-lasting peace, which I have to say is quite an incredible position to come from. That requires quite a deep well of compassion to have lived through such suffering, to be living such suffering, and yet to see the suffering of others. And it was quite clear. There was talk, I was talking to one woman whose 84-year-old mother is a hostage. She said, you know, for a start, her mother is in Gaza, so any you know, heavy attacks will impact her. But also she says she just thinks it's going to make the situation worse. I spoke to another man whose two parents were murdered on the 7th of October, and he said that his parents had, you know, really truly believed in coexistence and peace, and that in the name of their legacy, you know, just, you know the killing of thousands of, of Palestinians isn't going to make the situation better. Um, there's been some really, you know, impressive heartfelt pleas from people who are living through hell saying, you know, not in our name, effectively. But is there any hope that that will in any way influence the Israeli government? Or could it be that international pressure could persuade them to back off a little bit, that even though the likes of President Joe Biden and the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and others have gone to Israel to express support, but that simultaneously they may be saying, don't do as you intend to do? I don't think that's what's going to happen. I mean, at the moment, you know, we had a statement released by the Americans, the Brits, um, the French and the Italians, I believe. And, you know, it said very firmly that they backed Israel in its right to defend itself. Although they did say within the bounds of international law. And they did say they wanted to see more humanitarian aid coming into Gaza. But what was completely absent from that statement was the calling of a humanitarian ceasefire, which is what the UN has been asking for now for, you know, days because of the catastrophe in Gaza. So I think, you know, the general opinion I would um, assume here in Gaza, uh, sorry, here in Israel, is support for the military and what's happening in Gaza. And I think the international community itself has said, you know, they support what Israel is doing. So I can't see that call for just the most basics of things, the humanitarian ceasefire is going to go anywhere, unfortunately, as the current situation stands. You mentioned the situation in Gaza being catastrophic. Just how bad has it become in recent days? I've been talking to doctors, civilians, UN officials, international rights groups who have people on the ground, and the stories are just horrific. Uh, Fuel is the biggest problem right now because there's no electricity. Everyone is relying on generators. But the UN itself, the UN's Palestinian Refugee Agency, says that their fuel supplies are going to run out on 
Wednesday. That means that they're not going to have any electricity whatsoever. Hospitals are talking, you know, and Doctors Without Borders is talking about 130 premature babies on incubators will die if, they're genera- if the generator switch off. I've been speaking to doctors who've been using shop-bought vinegar um, as disinfectant for wounds. They've run out of burn dressings. They're operating without anaesthetic. They have to use n- normal um, sewing needles because surgical supplies are in such short, um, you know, th- th- there's so many shortages. On top of that, there's a lack of clean water. The WHO said to me they're worried about waterborne diseases because there's no clean drinking water. There's also concerns about food supply running out. I mean, just about everything you can imagine is happening simultaneously while people are under what they're saying is the heaviest bombardment they've ever seen. Uh, so, you know, even in the South, where, which is supposed to be where uh, civilians have been told to, you know, evacuate to by Israel. So it's, it's really, really alarming. And I, you know, I think especially when the fuel runs out, that's going to be, you know, it's going to have a devastating impact. And there are estimates of over 5,000 dead now, countless more who are suffering injuries, some of which are life-threatening, some which might be life-changing. And yet, what is the estimate of how much worse things could get if the Israeli forces have a concerted ground offensive? I've covered a ground offensive before. I was inside Gaza in a 2014 ground offensive. The casualties on both sides, but specifically the Palestinian civilian side, always rise. It's always a huge surge. And the big you know, concern is for the civilians that remain in the north of, of the Gaza Strip, um, specifically those who are in hospitals. Because hospitals are not only sheltering people who are injured, but displaced people are living there as well. And many of these hospitals, because they've got nowhere else to go, it would be absolutely devastating in terms of the casualty numbers rising. And this is the biggest concern. And this is why UN officials and international rights groups keep saying every day we need a humanitarian ceasefire. And they've also warded against the ground offensive. It's not sure if the ground offensive is going to, is going to go ahead. At the moment, there seems to have been some kind of pause. Um, the signaling from the Israeli military is that they want to, this is going to take time and they're going to continue their air offensive. Um, but, you know, at the moment, even that is, is very, very difficult for civilians on the ground. Part of the provocation that Israel is claiming was the taking of hostages. Is there any estimate as to how many hostages are presently in Gaza, what their condition is, and whether Hamas has been put under any pressure within Palestine and by the wider Arab world to release these people? Well, the Israeli military say they know confirmed there are 212 hostages inside Gaza, and obviously everyone is extremely concerned about their well-being. There are children, some as young as nine months, I understand. There are the elderly, there are the sick, and they are living under this bombardment, and also we don't know what conditions they are being held in by militants. There's also concerns because we understand that some are in the custody of Hamas, some are in the custody of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, but some may be in other custody as well. There's still 100 to 200 missing people where they don't know exactly where they are, so they could be in other, you know, in other sort of factional groups. So it's really, really, really concerning for their safety as well. At the moment, we know that like Qatar, for example, is trying negotiations. Just in the last few minutes, Israeli media has been talking about a potential um, release of 50 hostages through a Qatari deal. There's been quite a lot of pressure put under Hamas. But whether that you know, means that they're going to release any, we'll have to see. We've had two hostages released. There's obviously deep concerns for the rest of them, you know, which includes 
children, the elderly, the sick, people who need medicines, and they are also under this bombardment as well. So it's, it's a really horrific situation at the moment. And one final thing, because it is relevant to a bit of debate back here in Ireland at the moment after what the Israeli embassy has said about the Irish funding of humanitarian aid going into Hamas, what were described as tunnels of terror. What can you tell us about these underground structures that have been put in place to facilitate Hamas's war against Israel? Hamas has a network, according to the Israelis, Hamas has a network of tunnels across the whole of the Gaza Strip where they basically operate from. And essentially that's where they, they stay underground during any offensive and they come up from these tunnels launch rockets fired at Israel or if there's a ground invasion, you know, engaged directly with um, the Israeli military. But, you know, I think you need to separate, it's very important to separate humanitarian aid to civilians from what Hamas militants are doing in tunnels. And it's very clear that, you know, civilians need humanitarian aid. Um, at the same time, Israel is determined to take out this network of tunnels, it says, as its main objective in this, um, you know, bombardment of Hamas Gaza and then what may be a ground incursion is to um, destroy Hamas and its tunnel, tunnel network. So, you know, that's what they are saying. But if we're talking about humanitarian aid, the civilians that need to be separated out because civilians do need humanitarian aid at the same time. Absolutely. Bell True, Chief International Correspondent of The Independent, thank you very much for joining us from Tel Aviv. And the reason why I bring that up is because effectively the deputy head of the Israeli embassy in Ireland uh, put out a tweet in which he did hashtag Ireland, wondering who funded those tunnels of terror. A short investigation direction. One, find a mirror. Two, direct it to yourself. Three, voila. I think there's a lot of people in Ireland would find that very insulting. No matter what pressure Israel finds itself under, or believes itself to be under at present. Ireland has committed funds to humanitarian aid for the beleaguered people in Gaza and has done so in the past. And that, as Bell just said, is entirely separate to wherever Hamas gets its money for the tunnels to facilitate its war against Israel. And as I just noticed, one person on Twitter, Gary O'Neill, saying, Ireland has served with UNIFIL in Lebanon, endeavouring to keep the peace for 40 years. Irish soldiers lost their lives while peacekeeping, saying these comments from Adi Ophir Meaz from the Israeli embassy in Ireland are unacceptable. What do you think? 0874100102. How much humanitarian aid should we be directing from Ireland to the beleaguered people of Gaza without in any way believing that what happened in Israel two weeks ago was anything other than atrocious? murderous, barbaric, utterly wrong but is the response of the Israeli armed forces correct? Is Ireland correct to be giving money to the people of Gaza but have been accused of funding Hamas terrorism? We'll be back after the traffic. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-